It's our favorite time of the week. New episode of Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Really mod, pea pod, buff bod, hot rod, obtuse, rubber goose, green moose, guava juice, giant snake, birthday cake, large fries, chocolate shake. I'm one of the hosts, Micah. I'm Matsy. I tweeted recently, did you know that the 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 girl fairy in that, Wanda, mm-hmm. um, she was also Magda in Diablo 3, which is crazy. Oh. Hmm. But also it makes sense, like, she's a witch, but she's kind of like a a butterfly-themed, like, fairy witch. But she's oh, evil. So you're saying she's typecast. I, I don't know. I, it, it's another one that blew my mind, like, Geed in Diablo yeah, 2. Yeah. Was, but anyway, uh, I should mention that I'm Matsy. I can't remember mm. if I did. But yeah, this is this is Animation Celery, a show where we watch cartoons and then review them and recap them and discuss them. And this week, our theme is the episodes we hate. Mm. Yeah, uh, I gave Micah an episode of Captain N, the Game Master. I know I only picked one <laughs> and he gave me an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures, um, which is a show that does have good episodes, if you look. Right. But first, let's talk about, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Um, give me something, Micah. OK, I previewed last week that I was going to watch more Light Chaser features. That's oh, the yeah. studio that brought uh, brought us White Snake and its sequel, Green Snake. Right. But uh, listeners of the show will remember that I had some pitfalls in even getting to there because uh, Green Snake was on Netflix. It looked cool. So I started watching it and got the sense real early, like, am I watching a sequel? Mm. And I looked up, indeed, White Snake comes before it. So I had to look for that. And watch it. Okay. So that sets the stage. Um, at the end of Green Snake, there is an ad for Neja Reborn. And it's not much of an ad, but anyway, there it is, right? right? And I thought, wait a minute. There's a movie called just Neja. So I thought, okay, hmm. I'm not going to hmm. be fooled this time. <laughs> so I watched Neja. Pretty neat. Now, the thing is that afterwards I came to realize that it was not done by Light Chaser Studios. In fact, these movies, Ninja and Ninja Reborn, despite coming out just a couple years apart, have nothing to do with each other. Huh. Oh, great. <laughs> yes. So um, it covers uh, the Chinese boy god Ninja. Who, um, you might know if I gave you an image of him. He's most famous for flying on two wheels made of fire. So okay. it's kind of like Hermes has wings on his feet. Neja has got these fire wheels. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so watch watched the Neja uh, movie. And I thought I was in trouble early on. Uh, it Again, I, I didn't realize this was not light chaser but it was like way more comedy based mm-hmm. um and it really proved that triteness crosses all cultures because <laughs> it had jokes that are just like standard for computer animated movies okay um so some context of the, the storyline the, the basics of it 
uh, there is a pearl that harnesses like all the power of the universe. All right. And accordingly, it gets like good power and bad power. It has divine power and it's got demonic power. Right. And so at the beginning of the movie, some immortals defeat it and separate it into two, where all the divine stuff is in one pearl and all the demonic stuff is in one orb. Hmm. And they give plans for them. Okay, so like you're going to, uh, for, for the immortals, um, the, uh, the, the godly figure picks one of them and says, okay, so you're going to um, let this divine pearl reincarnate into a boy, right? And then the evil one, the, the demonic orb is going to be destroyed by, uh, it's cursed to be destroyed by lightning in three years. Hmm. But through some, uh, through some scheming, it ends up having the old switcheroo pulled. Uh, there, there's, okay, so there's, there's a, a heroic couple, a man and woman who have uh, defended this past from demons for a long time. And so their child is going to get the gift of having the, uh, the essence of the uh, heavenly pearl bestowed into him. All right. Um, but yeah, the switcheroo is pulled and he ends up getting the demon inside him instead. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So these, I'll, I'll get to these, these terrible jokes. Um, so when he's born, he's just like ball of flesh with a demonic face and he's rolling around and causing destruction. And uh, there's a bit where four women scream and then mm -hmm. hide behind a burly man who then screams like a woman and hides behind them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. This guy is throughout the movie. <laughs> it's like every 15 minutes, he's got a scene where he reminds you, I sound like a woman. Um, <laughs> yeah, terrible. And, oh, let's see. What was the, the next one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, uh, the ball of flesh is transforming and growing out arms and legs. And there's like a dramatic swell of music. And everybody's looking in horror, but then the crowd's uh, gaze averts to the left and the camera pans over and there's a bunch of musicians that have been playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then, and then embarrassed, they, they stop playing. Like that's from hmm. like Carl Reiner in pre-1980, I think. Oh yeah. Such an old joke at this point. Yeah, really? Um, well, maybe, maybe in China they didn't get Carl Reiner stuff yeah maybe it's new i doubt it yeah <laughs> it, these are all just like the the soft the the safe jokes they're not funny mm. but you know every yeah. everything's got them i could be amazed that there was didn't trigger one of my pet peeves of a uh mission impossible parody but huh anyway um the movie overall though is pretty good um hmm. what really pulls me back is uh, Neja and um, his rival, Albing, are really charming, cool characters. Um, the action's really good. Like, okay. it does a good job depicting superheroes fighting, essentially. All right. Right? There's, there's one part near the climax where it's just like four superpowered guys fighting while falling down a cliff. Huh. Um pretty good time i recommend it. it it does look like a light chaser thing you know same color palette the designs are believably the same so i don't mm -hmm. know i guess maybe by next week i'll watch ninja oh it also follows a pattern too like 
White Snake is a period piece, and then Green Snake takes place in purgatory that looks like modern day. Okay. Well, Ninja Reborn takes place like in the year 3000. Oh. So it had that parallel too to make me think that these two were, you know, at least within the, uh, their milieu for right, sequels. Right. Anyway, d- despite the difficulties of figuring, I guess I figured it out for you, Celery Stalkers, if you want to watch some cool action animated Chinese movies. Hmm. Um, I like White Snake and Green Snake better, but Neijia was pretty cool. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm continuing on with My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Okay. By funny coincidence, I watched an episode that featured the return of Buckball. Oh. So we re- recently reviewed an episode where we found out that Fluttershy and uh, Pinkie Pie were experts at Buckball. Right. With snails holding up the basket. Yes. Uh, so, this episode gets in, <laughs> boy, kind of like a Simpsons episode. It takes the long route to get to the point. Oh, okay. So... They're going to Appaloosa um, because a tournament's being held there. And also they've opened up the Buckball Hall of Fame. <laughs> and the first inductees are going to be the Ponyville team. So hmm. this is a story about Buckball and about maybe Pinkie Pie or, or uh, Fluttershy maybe, right? No, it's a uh, Rainbow Dash uh, goes to a museum for Applejack's sake. She couldn't come. But there's a lineup before it even opens, and it's Quibble Pants. He's oh. waited in the line for the open. Yes, yeah, Quibble Pants, the um, Patton Oswalt character who is the uh, uh, rabid, daring do novel fan. Yeah. So in this particular case, the idea is that he is getting serious with, I think, a divorcee. <laughs> but. He wants to ingratiate himself to her daughter so badly that he's trying to pretend that he's into sports. <laughs> I know it's a pretty good premise. Um, I don't think it really follows through successfully. I don't think it, it kind of... Mm, it doesn't have an extra layer of polish that you would expect from his character, you know? Mm. For some of the humor. But the idea is pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I question, normally when you have a sports hall of fame, yeah, a, somebody has to retire and be retired for a certain amount of time before they're eligible to go into the hall of fame. Right. The Ponyville team is like active and they've won one game. Well, at this point, they're the odds on favor. Like at this point, they've continued on and are just dominant. Oh. Which to me, well, first of all, this is not the arc of Fluttershy's storyline that I expected, that she would become a pro athlete. Yeah, um, really. And further, I think they should retire. Um, I mean, just in the sense of uh, sports, uh, sports mayorship, I guess. <laughs> you know, that they have an unfair advantage, or at least that they uh, have <laughs> inestimable glory already without... I mean... They show the Appaloosa team. I think it's. I think they show the Appaloosa team that they're really training hard. It's almost unfair that Pinky and Fluttershy can just routinely win, you know, without working that hard at all at it. Um, well, I mean, in the eighties, the 
the New York Islanders and Edmonton Oilers won eight out of ten Stanley Cups. So, you know, if a team is good, whatever, they just win championships. They don't go, okay, like the league didn't say, whoa, 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 whoa. You've got to give Wayne Gretzky to someone else because you guys are too good. (laughs) Well, and then they won a Stanley Cup without Gretzky anyway. That'd be funny for uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever Equestria's analog for Los Angeles bought the contract for Pinkie Pie or something. Los. Oh, Las Pegasus is the Las Vegas. Analog. Yeah, I have a book somewhere that has a map. Right. Um, I know that Van Hoover is in it. Yep. Anyway, the uh, the next episode I watched was better, though. Um. I liked it quite a lot. It was um, about a school dance. So we have the return of uh, the multi-species school characters. Oh, that school. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the school that Twilight Sparkle um, ostensibly runs in addition to everything else she does. Yeah. Uh, so there's going to be a dance and it's like a pony tradition. Hmm. And Yona, she's the yak wants to fit in and further to that um i call i'm calling him sand dollar he's sandbar the 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 green pony amongst them okay Uh, he asks her to the dance Mm. so the pressure's really on for her like that she wants to not stick out because she's kind of a uh uncouth oaf Mm -hmm. so what it becomes is well she, she consults rarity and it's Kind of a cruel fake out for the second time this season. It looks like it's going to be a rarity episode, but it's not really. <laughs> um, so between between rarity and the, uh, for uh, how to dress and how to act and then uh, Fluttershy and Rainbow Dash for how to dance and mm. uh, Pinkie Pie and um, Applejack for what to bring because it's apparently it's a potluck too. Okay. Uh, it's, it's My Fair Lady. Around Yona, essentially. Okay, yeah. I thought they missed an opportunity because uh, uh, Twilight Sparkle is there at the end, at the dance. I would have liked her to have asked Twilight Sparkle and have to admit, uh, I never went to one of these. Because <laughs> she's a nerd. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess she wouldn't have, huh? No, she had no friends. Yeah. Um, well, she had friends. She just didn't like socializing right. with them. Right, and they they were more ogres and oubliettes kind of friends than uh, go to the school dance friends. I um, guess I just remember there was an episode that I quite liked, yeah. Um, where, um, at, now that she was a friendship expert, Twilight suddenly realized what a bad friend she had been to her friends back in Canterlot. Oh, right, and she yeah, went yeah. to make amends, and one of, and they were all like, "What? No, you were fine, except for this one who was." I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember being really impressed with her rant at the end. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this pony just snapped. <laughs> yeah, I wish these episodes had more edge like that. <laughs> but but anyway, this one was good because I like Yona, first of all. Oh, okay. um, and she's, besides being a likable character, she's kind of got more room to grow than the main six. <laughs> the main six are just kind of like walking the same paths over and over. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, kind of. She she messes. The, the The point is that she shouldn't work so hard to be a pony because what who who she is, what she brings to the table, is is more interesting, right? Right. 
I was kind of hoping that Sandbar was really just like, okay, they, they play it off as platonic, which I think is a real bummer. <laughs> yeah. Not they should have had some shipping in that show. Yeah, sure. And I kind of wish she was more like, you know, after she worked so hard to dance and put on a wig and all that, it should have been like, uh, actually, we always just abandon the dance, do drugs and make out. <laughs> so, <laughs> but well, I mean, uh, the easy way to go with that would be that Sandbar like liked Yona for who she was. And now that she's all different, he's like, you know, it it's a disaster. Yeah. And she's and he's like, oh, I I always liked you the way you were. And then it's like a lesson of being yourself. Right, right. Um, I will say, though, <laughs> I looked up the episode title. Pretty good. She's all yak. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Dude. <laughs> let's see. I got so many items. Uh, let's see. Uh, I watched it's a live action movie. But it's worth talking about. I watched everything everywhere all at once. Hmm. You heard about this thing? You know, the name sounds really familiar, but I can't place what it was. It stars Michelle Yeoh, you know, like from uh, uh, Hong Kong action movies. Mm. Well, and a lot of North American movies now. So the premise is that she she owns a failing laundromat. Um, her husband is looking to get out of the marriage. Mm. And she is failing her daughter, like failing to accept her relationship. Okay. And all the meanwhile, they're also getting audited by the tax, by the IRS, American tax, right? Um, all right. So all this is going on, but she has distracting glimpses of other lives. She's like part of the multiverse. The, the, the other universes are reaching out to her as like a nexus point so that she can harness the, uh, abilities of all her other cells in order to combat uh, hmm. other forces that do the same. All right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like, it's, it's the humor ranges from kind of intellectual to downright crass. <laughs> it's quite long, but it get, get, uh, I think if you don't like it half hour, you probably not going to like it for two hours, but mm. I think it's it's the movie to go see, like to skip all the Marvel junk or whatever and see this one instead if you're going to pick one. And also it's important because um, multiverses are hot right now, but this is a story about a multiverse rather than brand management. Hmm. All these all these characters are only in this movie. This is where they're they're best. Right. Right. This isn't just like, um, I guess the Flintstones are in this somewhere. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So. <laughs> If you were thinking about watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers, please watch this instead. <laughs> okay, one last thing. Yeah. I got a Celery Animation Slammer spoiler, or a, le a potential leak. Celery Ye Animation Slammers. Yeah. We need to sue them. Do we? <laughs> you think, yeah. you think we'd know more about this game, right? Yeah. Anyway, since the reveal of the Beetlejuice trailer... Mm -hmm. A Reddit leak from user Gudu <laughs> has gotten traction. They claim to have obtained the full song list from the initial game, and the post was from early May, at, but it has three tracks from the Beetlejuice cartoon, including the theme song, as was featured in the Beetlejuice reveal. Okay. So you're, yeah, thinking, so, so you're thinking that this person might have the inside track. Maybe. Or, you know, maybe it's this people fish, right? And then they they highlight the tweet that was like, yeah. You know, where they, they just 
sent in all directions. Anyway, so if we assume this leak is real, some of the other tracks in this list become very interesting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, remember when you were speculating that Opal from Steven Universe might be in the game? <laughs> yes. Well, there's a remix of Giant Woman. Okay. So what else could that be hinting at, right? Yeah, Other really, than that yeah. Gem fusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's theme from Mission Magic. Could that hint at the inclusion of the magical school teacher Miss Tickle? Huh. Huh. Maybe, maybe. Um, and lastly, perhaps biggest included in the list is I wouldn't go out on a night like this. Oh boy. Oh but boy. Yeah, I, th- I I think people are getting their hopes up for the Grinch. Because here I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. Maybe it's just that who. <laughs> yes. Whose ability, yeah. whose, who, all his special attacks are just to stand there and rub his glasses, but he's invincible. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe. Well, this, this all could be bunk anyway. I yeah, mean, yeah, true. only time will tell. And also, this isn't real, so, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's all of my quote news. <laughs> uh, what do you got, Matsy? Uh Not a lot. Um, let me see. I'm I am behind in updating my Stanley Cup playoffs brackets. Uh, <laughs> okay. Round two is almost over and I haven't updated since round one. So as you may remember, I picked uh, what was there? I picked Florida and Toronto, Carolina, mm-hmm. New York um, Colorado, St. Louis, Calgary, and Edmonton in the first yes. round. And I was right about seven out of eight, which That's is not bad. Good. Yeah. The one that I was wrong about? Toronto. They'll never fail to fail you. <laughs> I put too much faith in the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is to say any. So then we got to the next round, and I my picks were... Oh, so so Tampa Bay won that. So you had Florida yeah. against Tampa Bay, and I was picking Florida. Carolina mm-hmm. against the New York Rangers, and I picked Carolina. Colorado against St. Louis, and I picked St. Louis. And Calgary against Edmonton, and I picked Calgary. Yep. Well, three of those series are now over, and I was wrong about all of them. Oof. Tampa Bay beat Florida. Um, Edmonton beat Calgary last night in controversial fashion. And Colorado just beat St. Louis earlier as we are recording. Hmm. So it's going to be Colorado against Edmonton in the Western Conference final. Uh, And in the East, it's Tampa Bay having swept Florida four games to none. So I really made a mistake putting faith in Florida, too. Hmm. Um, But my pick to win the Stanley Cup, the Carolina Hurricanes, are still alive. Yeah. So I still have a chance to be right about the whole thing. Right. Unless, unless Tampa Bay just wins a third Stanley Cup. Hey. Which, which would be kind of fun. There hasn't a team has not won three Stanley Cups in a row since the New York Islanders in the 80s. Um, but also the thing that I'm kind of looking at and sort of hmm is there is a potential for a rematch of the 2006 Stanley Cup. Between right. Carolina and Edmonton. I think, is yeah. this Edmonton's chance to get revenge? Will the Hartford Whalers win another Stanley Cup? <laughs> I guess time will tell. Uh, what else? I finished Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi okay. Chronicles. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I was a little let down 
by what the big bad turned out to be. Not they right. were they were giving some hints as the series as the series was going. Just a couple of little things. And I was like, it couldn't be that, could it? We wouldn't do that. And then it turned out that it was. And I kind of went, man. Hmm. It's still, you know, it's still a good series that's worth watching. Like, it, I'm not, you know, it's not my, one of my, like, S-tier, you know, Steven Universe, Star vs. the Force of Evil, She-Ra and the Princess of Power. It's nothing like that. It's more like yeah. Season 2 of Centaur World. It's like, oh, this okay. is all right. It's worth watching. Just don't get your hopes up too high. But hey, you know, it's it's Usagi. They they play around with Gen in a way that I quite like a little bit. Well, he's um, my favorite Usagi character, so. Well, he's his sister is in this. Oh, yeah. I think I think his name is her. Her name rather is Toshiko Toshiko. Mm. Um, and and her her deal is that she looks just like Gen. So they think that it's, you know, they think oh, that it's a doppelganger. Three Stooges. Yeah. Well, well, it she just, sh- she shows up in an episode where there's a yokai that can shape change. Yeah. So they're like, it's the yokai. Which one's the real Gen? And like, ah. uh, <laughs> and then he's like pointing out all the like really minuscule differences between them. Right. Um, the pattern on her gi is totally different. Um. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's okay. It's worth watching. It's good. Just don't expect it to set the world on fire. You know. At a point, the obvious answer was not the obvious answer. What's that? Uh, well, uh, at at some point, whenever there was in a movie a chance for the villain to turn out to be a Tyler Durden, so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was to the point where it was never surprising. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, I guess not in this. <laughs> I guess in well, this case, you probably weren't suspecting that the villain was all in the mind of one of the characters or something like that. Well, no, it was like, it was, oh, you mean for the, the whole thing? Well, or, or whatever. I mean, I mean, like, that, I guess it, it didn't, it was, was it, it was a mystery who the villain was, I guess. Um, well, you had like, there was a clear villain. Yeah. Or, or at least there appeared to be a clear villain and he was doing a thing and he was like, you know, he's threatening like, when I get this, your world will end or whatever. Right. And mm. so you think, okay, he's. It's it's a yokai. He it was the big yokai that came out of the crystal in like the second episode. Um, and he's like he's getting ready to, you know, he has a little uh, pre fight with the heroes before he escapes. And then he's you know, he's got his machinations in the background while the heroes are being Ghostbusters. Hmm. It's just that it turns out that. It's not what it looked like. And it was, it's kind it's again, it's like Centaur World, where, you know, Centaur World season two, it went all the way to the last episode. And then at the very end, it explained what everything actually was without right. really setting it up too much. And this right. is kind of the same thing where it gets to the very end. And it's like a uh, plot twist. It's a totally different villain. Hmm. Oh, OK. Hmm. Um, But yeah, like just thematically, I mean, I'm I'm being... I'm being really obtuse and not spoilery here because I'm, you know, it's, I'm talking about the last episode of the series. I don't want to spoil it for people, but it was like. I the what the what the big bad villain turned out to be wasn't what I was expecting or it was what I was worried it might be. 
Yeah. And it kind of didn't match what the rest of the series was doing. So I was mm. a little disappointed in that. But, you know, whatever. Like I said. As you say, as you as you say, I'm thinking of like what instances there were really good villain switcheroos or reveals. Mm. I think Mas mm. Masters of the Universe Revelation does it kind of well. Okay. Um, Did they pull a couple sharp turns? Uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power actually did that fairly well, where, you know, for the first, I can't remember how many seasons that show had, even though I really like it, but it's obviously the villain is Hordak, right? Ah, obviously. And obviously. But then in the end, it's like, wait, there's, if you're familiar with your um, Masters of the Universe lore, you know that Hordak has a superior named mm. Horde Prime. And so that was a fun one. It was like, ooh, okay. Um, but yeah, hmm. It's an interesting thought. Villains, re re revel revelation villains who were actually not disappointing. <laughs> yeah, and I can think of some, but they're just like immediate spoilers, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll discuss. Um... The villain at the end of Steven Universe Future, A, the fact that there was a villain, and B, yeah. the identity of that villain was kind of like, hmm. oh, like it, it made sense. Like it was like, OK, I this this actually makes sense. You need to watch that show so I can actually talk to you about it. <laughs> OK, maybe my, my next project, my right. my uh, right. tour to finish sto shows that I started. Yeah. Um. I don't know what else to talk about. I've been watching some VTubers. You you mentioning Corona very, very early in this show has got me watching VTubers because it's just relaxing to yeah. listen to girls playing Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. Know? You got Oru Crony, who's hmm. is a I think she's a time warden. So she's basically an anthrop like she's. An anime lady, but I think she's like time or a clock or something. Oh, um, she personifies an object. Yeah, she has the most. Okay. She, you know, anime does a really good job of coming up with ridiculous clothing for people, especially okay. breast coverings for women. <laughs> and All right. Oru Crony has one of the most ridiculous chest coatings that I've seen. It's like, hmm. you know how. Obviously, the standard thing that a woman would wear on her chest covers the bottom half and shows cleavage. Okay. Cronies is upside down. Where it like... It's all under boob. Yes. It's like, it's all under boob with two ribbons kind of holding it up. So she has like under cleavage. It's weird, but... But whatever. I like her. I like Gaurgura, who's a little shark girl. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I like watching them play Minecraft. Just makes me want to play Minecraft, but also it lets me enjoy Minecraft without having to kill chickens play the and darn eat food. Game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Not much has been going on with me lately. You know, just working. I was packing powdered milk yesterday. Um, hmm. I'm in my, I got my stat holiday for what we in Canada call Victoria Day, which is a, my first stat holiday in the year 2022, because mm. my last job was terrible. And B, 
because I normally have three day weekends, this stat holiday means I have a four day weekend, which is incredible luxury. So, yeah, that's nice. Um, But what better way to spend a four day weekend than watching terrible cartoons? Hmm. Yeah. Terrible, you say? Yeah. Okay. well, uh, we'll be looking at Captain N, the Game Master. That particular episode, Mega Trouble and Mega Land. Directed by Boyd Kirkland in 1993. So, a little background on Captain N. (laughs) Nintendo Power was a magazine dedicated to hints, tips, and advertisements of video games on Nintendo consoles. It also featured comics from time to time based on games. And late in 1988, a two-part comic was published based around the character Captain Nintendo. A Nintendo employee whose electronics accident brought video game Archvillain Mother Brain from the Metroid series to life. It was Captain Nintendo's ability to recruit video game heroes to the real world that ultimately won the day. The concept and character was created by the magazine editor, Randy Stuttered. It was adapted for an animated series, and Stuttered was neither credited credited nor paid for the idea. (laughs) Uh, Deke was already developing a series based on video games. It was to star the Paperboy from Paperboy. <laughs> and he would travel back and forth from the real world to the video game world. Which means I guess his video game world is the real world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, artist Phil Barlow adapted numerous character designs that included Kid Icarus, King Hippo, Eggplant Wizard, and Mega Man. And like Stuttered, Barlow got the shaft, but his work was used anyway. Well, good. He deserves the shaft because his job designing those characters was terrible. He made Mega I, Man green. <laughs> I th- well, OK, I think he did a good job in some respects. And I have a theory on the Mega Man that or an excuse. OK, it, he's using Woodman's power by default. And that's why he's got two hands as well. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> hmm. I think, one, I think at this time, Mega Man 2 hadn't really happened. No, maybe not. But Bomb Man, I believe, turns you green. So There you go. <sighs> <laughs> I think it's just everything else that's pretty bad. <laughs> no, every, uh, if everything in this show is terrible. Well, I wouldn't say that. There's things I like. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Let's see. So, yeah, the two ideas merged. Captain Nintendo was condensed to Captain N for broadcast standards reasons. And this time he was a teenage wiener named Kevin who got sucked into video land through his TV screen while he's playing punch out. (laughs) His dog Duke followed him as well. Video land was numerous realms all connected by warp zones, much as the warp zone pipes from Super Mario Brothers. With powerful Nintendo devices like the NES controller on his belt and the light zapper as his sidearm, Kevin became the prophesized hero, Captain N, the Game Master. His allies include Simon Belmont from Castlevania, Mega Man, Kid Icarus, and Princess Lana, an original character. Just like the original story. hmm? I was going to say, it's worth mentioning the character is not named Kid Icarus. I mean, he is in this show. But in the video yes. games, his name is Pit. Was his name Pit in the first video game? Yes. Oh, okay. 
well... I mean, there wasn't I mean, a second Kid Icarus until years later on the Game Boy. Yeah, I've tried it, and I think it's not that good a game. Well, Kid Icarus, Kid Icarus is bad. The sequel yes. I haven't played, but I can imagine if it's like Kid Icarus, it's bad. The next one, they released, they didn't do another Kid Icarus until the 3DS. It was called Kid Icarus Uprising. Yes. That game was hampered by the control scheme, but it was awesome. If they did another... Mm. If they did another Kid Icarus with, like, a controller with two analog sticks, oh, I would be all over that. I would love to play a properly done Kid Icarus Uprising. That game was solid. Okay. But as long as it has that pit and not this Kid Icarus, huh? Oh, boy. Play my game kiss Yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right. So, just like the original story... The prime enemy is Mother Brain from Metroid. And despite, her henchmen include... Despite yeah. Samus not being one of the heroes. You know, there's a comic where they didn't have the rights from Konami and from uh, uh, Capcom. Huh. So Samus is one of the heroes in that comic. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't read it, but, you know, done my research. Anyway, so, uh, yeah... Mother Brain is the, the bad guy, and her henchmen include Dr. Wily from Mega Man, King Hippo from Punch-Out, and Eggplant Wizard from Kid Icarus. And every Saturday morning, starting in 1990 and running three seasons, Captain N had to foil Mother Brain's schemes, typically venturing to a new game world and capitalizing on its popularity. <laughs> yeah, the popularity hey. of Faxanadu. Yeah, there's an odd list for sure. You know, the, the weirdest one in the list for me was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the game. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he he meets real world people, too. Like he meets Bo Jackson <laughs> well, uh, from a baseball game. Anyway. Yeah. So let's get let's get into this episode here. All right. Uh, the opening the opening credits establishes most of the characters and their realms in video land. And it also recaps from the first episode how Kevin and his dog were sucked from his live-action footage into a cartoon reality. This particular episode is a continuation of prior episodes, so a recap shows how the N team and the bad guys competed against each other at Mount Icarus uh, in sort of an Olympics with peace at stake. Hmm. In truth, however, it was a distraction so that Mother Brain could get the power of the three sacred treasures. Using their power, she dropped Captain N and his crew down a fissure and into the warp zone to oblivion. Now the episode proper begins. So, the team splits up to investigate various warp zones, each person taking fishing line so that they can tug if they find the right one. Simon lets everyone else go first so that he could get away with not exploring, but the coward gets chased by a big set of teeth. <laughs> the warp zone he escapes to is no better. He's in a cauldron and surrounded by hungry monster people. Lana warps onto third base of a baseball game, and after scoring a run, she finds out that it's not the Coliseum, so she leaves. And appropriately, Kid Icarus finds his home, Mount Icarus and he summons everyone else. Time has passed differently outside the Oblivion Warp Zone. King Hippo and Eggplant Wizard have conquered Mount Icarus, and Dr. Wily 
has taken the three sacred treasures to Megaland in order to conquer it. While Captain N, Lana, Duke, and Mega Man go to Megaland to fight Wily's robots, Simon and Kid Icarus stay at Mount Icarus to overcome Medusa and get three power items, fire arrows, the sacred bow, and the projective crystal. Yeah, it's a it's a mirror shield. I one of the few things that this episode actually did right is that those are the three sacred treasures that you have to collect in the Kid Icarus video game. They yeah. got the name of the shield shield wrong, but yeah. they they did, you know, those are the three things you needed to defeat Medusa in that game. So there you go. Good thing about the show. Check. Great. Um Okay, so the first group meets Dr. Wright in Megaland. He's a lot like Dr. Light, but he shaves the sides of his head like a cool dude. This is one of those things I've said before. Japanese has one character for the L and R sound. And as a result, sometimes they get mixed up. This happens in the Mega Man games, the first two. There's... A lot of discrepancy of whether Mega Man's creator is Dr. Wright or Dr. Light. Canonically, yeah. it's Dr. Light, but there are still a lot of people and things like this that call him Dr. Wright. In much the same way that in Mega Man 2, one of the bosses in the Japanese version of the game, he's listed as Crash Man. Oh, whoops. no, wait, no, no, no. It's it's listed as Clash Man, but it's, oh, suppo- that. Okay, yeah. it's supposed to be Crash Man. Right. So, I mean, well, I guess I'm, I, I guarantee- guess I'm, I guess I'm annoyed at this show for making that mistake. But at the same time, it's a mistake that everyone was making around that time. So I guess I have to kind well, of sigh and deal with it. I can guarantee you that they weren't looking at the Katakana characters and then thinking, is it light or right? Yeah. They played the video game for half an hour and just made a mistake. I can almost guarantee you. Yeah. And it was Mega Man 1 which I right. don't think anywhere in the game it mentions Dr. Light's name. Oh, well, maybe then. Hmm. But I can tell you that in Mega Man uh, 10, I believe it is. There's, you know, yeah. in, in Mega Man 2, there's a Dr. Wily logo where it says Dr. with a big W. Okay. In Mega Man 10, the ostensible Ostensive? Is that a word? The supposed plot. Ostensible, I guess. The ostensible plot is that Dr. Light has turned evil. And so you have to fight all of Dr. Light's evil robots. And his logo is a doctor and a big L. So it doesn't really get much more canonical than that. Sure. All right. Well. uh, Here, Dr. Wright. Kevin recognizes him, of course. And knows about the robots he created, which include Gutsman and Cutsman. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Honestly, I thought they just said Gutsman twice at first. It's Cutman, singular. Yeah. So, though these robot monsters were uh, reprogrammed Ro- by Wily. Robot Masters. They say monsters? Robot Masters. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, they never called them. I don't think the term robot master was really codified into no. one of the later games in the series, but that is what they've become known as ever since. Yes. Uh, Dr. Wright offers help from his newest creation, Garbage Man. 
He throws garbage all over all over the ring. Um, <laughs> so in it's, Mega it's, Man Four, there actually was a Junk Man. So no, wait, no, yeah. that was Mega Man. Uh, seven, I think seven or eight. <laughs> Not like this, I bet. It's no. it's huge, but indiscriminately destructive. And actually, that goes was without... that actually was what Junk Man was like in Mega Man Seven. Oh yeah, he's much bigger mm. than the other ones. Well, it, they leave it to destroy the lab and go yeah. to do heroic <laughs> stuff instead. Uh, Kevin, though, suggests that Lana stay behind, and she takes his pistol for a moment and fires it to demonstrate she's capable and combat ready. <laughs> this is one of those worthless gestures in cartoons where the girl shows how awesome she is when it totally doesn't count. Right. But otherwise, she's useless. Yeah. Or, or maybe Lana will come in handy. Stay tuned. So... The group drops from the sky and constitutes just like in Mega Man video games. Yeah. And uh, as is just in the game, plenty, there are plenty of ladders to climb and robots to deter them. Specifically, the, the cut man stage. Uh, this Makes is actually sense. This is actually a relatively accurate depiction of the cut man stage. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's another another plus for Captain N. Um. <laughs> So every bit of damage depletes a shared energy meter tracked on Mega Man's forearm. And it further proves to be the most literal interpretation of the video game as the group gets killed, but restarts at the beginning with two lives left. I mean, they would have restarted at the halfway point if it was actually the game, but whatever. Uh, yeah, okay. But it's a little weird to me, and I don't really understand. So if somebody gets hurt, do they personally feel hurt in that scenario? Hmm. I don't know what's going on here. Well, Kevin seems to. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Simon Belmont and Kid Icarus put on terrible disguises <laughs> to fool King Hippo and Eggplant Wizard. They're dullard, so it works. Yeah. Um, the villains are in a jacuzzi together. <laughs> and, uh, it's a steam it's bath. Steam baths actually replenish your life in Kid Icarus. That's an accurate. Oh, yeah? That's an accurate thing from the game. Huh. Oh, no, it's it looks a like a jacuzzi spring. to me, though. They call it yeah, a, it's hot a hot spring. spring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they, the, the two guys act as repairmen. And Simon and Icarus turn up the heat and pressure to busy Hippo and Eggy, rendering them helpless atop a steaming geyser. <laughs> Back in Megaland, Kevin tracks the mini boss Big Eye, or tricks him rather, into toppling off the edge of a platform. Then to a knockoff of Michael Jackson's Beat It for the second time in se Animation Celery, the group outguns each of Cold Man, Fire Man, Elect Man, Bomb Man, and Guts Man. It's Ice Man, not Cold Man. Come, sorry, Ice Man. King Cold? Anyway, uh, Ice Man, yeah, sorry. Yeah. They dispatch them pretty easily, in fact. Yeah. And the last one. The, that yeah. can't be. I mean, all six oh, yeah, don't appear in one stage. Come on. What do we do? Well, the show itself gets very confused about this, but yeah, yeah. the last one cuts man. You know, I don't know that it isn't cold man in this show. Anyway, uh, cuts man is ironically the most challenging. See, in the game, he's quite easy. Uh, um, I don't know. Relatively. He, if you know how to do him, he is. But I think the yeah. easiest one to beat is actually bomb man. Okay. So his flying scissors are too swift and powerful. Until the secret weapon, Duke the Dog, 
distracts him by running around in circles, such that the robot is destroyed by his own returning scissors. The rolling cutter, that's the name of that weapon, yeah. uh, deals one point of damage to Cutman. It is one of the least effective weapons you can use against Cutman. Oh my god. In this case, I think you're going too far. <laughs> I, I, I had to stop and look it up. <laughs> right, right. Do you think they should have animated uh, Captain N and Mega Man jumping to the left and pulling back and firing like as, as a repeated pattern for for a minute at this point in the show. Anyway. Maybe um, not, but yeah. So at this point, Kevin warns that the next five robot masters will be more difficult, even though their defeat was showcased a minute ago. Yeah, I... So that, I'm talking about a little confused. That kind of seems like a like the animators and the voice, like the script didn't get along. The no. animators were like, we'll put in all six of them. And the script is like, we'll just show Cutman first. Cutman, by the way, looks terrible. They all do. Okay. Uh, Cutman here versus Cutman in the Mega Man cartoon. Hmm. Uh, I'd take the Mega Man cartoon just because it's. Yeah, me too. Yeah. This one looks pretty damn weird. He looks like a tick villain. Y yes. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> does. Oh, my gosh. I think I think Fireman looks pretty good. Fireman looks fairly close. Uh, yeah. Iceman looks pretty close too, ex although his face is kind of weird. Um, Electman looks pretty damn. Electman, elect <laughs> pretty damn muppety. Electman looks like somebody from like Fat Albert. Sure. Okay, so where am I? So at Medusa's lair, Icarus paints Simon's goggles. And himself wears a bucket on his head so that neither can lock gazes with Medusa. Dopey, horny Simon is convinced by Medusa to take off his goggles and get a good look. He turns to stone. Mm. Icarus uses the projective crystal, which is a mirror, to make Medusa turn herself to stone. And lucky for Simon and all the other victims, her petrification spell wears off when she is defeated. Now, I've, I've complained about... Sexy Medusas, yeah. considering her deals, she's supposed to be so homely that she turns you to stone. I complained about that on Twitter, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this one is merely plain. I don't think she's super ugly. Mm, eh, anyway. it's, it's good enough. I guess so. I mean, in the game, she's just a wall with one eye and some fangs. So. Yeah. yeah. So when Captain N and his companions confront Wily... He has all of his robot masters available all at once, remade by the sacred treasures. Which is accurate. That, yeah, that is actually. That well, happens except in... for the all at once part. Well, yeah. Um, Icarus arrives with the sacred bow and fire arrow, and he fires at the treasures, but misses. The shot ricochets all over the place. But it's Lana, her use of her tiara to deflect it one last time and correct the shot that causes the treasures to be destroyed. Wily's chair transforms in a pretty cool way into a vehicle. Which looks a lot like the Wily machine in Mega Man 1. That, right? That might be the most accurate thing in this entire cartoon. Sure. Unfortunately for Wily, Captain N uses his overpowered pause button on his controller <laughs> to rather make Wily crash. Hey, I just realized that's but, that's a technique in Mega Man. <laughs> hitting, what, using the pause for hit, extra hit? Hitting the select button, yeah. I didn't yeah. think about that, but yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I, I think this is a coincidence. I it is, think... it is, but yeah. at the same time, it, it, it 
it makes me happy in a way that nothing yes. else in this cartoon does. Well, I don't know. You're ticking a lot of boxes. I think you like this cartoon. <laughs> um, so at the same time, the warriors of Mount Icarus throw Hippo and Eggplant into the warp zone. Pretty generously, I think, rather than just not throwing them off the clouds to fall to their deaths or fall forever or whatever happens when you fall off of Mount Icarus. <laughs> um, Kevin and Lana taunt Mother Brain by video and the incensed villainess electrocutes her three henchmen as punishment. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I immediately knew what your most hated aspects of this episode were. And I think even in the show, the show taunts you right away in the opening credits by the first thing you see uh, being Mega Man fly by going, Mega High! Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I actually found Kid Icarus more grating. Like, Mega Man's not good, but Kid Icarus was unbearable. I also don't like... This happens in crossover video games, video games all the time. They take a literal interpretation of the builds of characters. So, like, I think everyone in Mega Man, most everyone is a little shorter and a little squatter. Mm. But they're like toddlers when they're put into crossover games. Yeah. It's Whereas, just... like, uh, Mega Man 64 is more kind of like what I think they should look like, you know? I'm looking right now um, at my Mega Man 11 amiibo. Yeah. And he looks pretty much like a man, an anime man, mm. but he's, you know, he's he's relative he's he's a little bit on the small side. He's kind of like he is in Smash Brothers. Um sure. He's a little bit on the small side, but he's not like a little kid. Right. I think the uh X and 0 in mm. um in Ultimate, what I'm thinking of Thinking of uh, Marvel versus Capcom Ultimate, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. They look terrible there. They look weird and squat. Mm. And they're not character... They're characterized as kind of helpless and, and personality-less, too. <laughs> um, now, here's the question, though. Do you know of Mega Man's appearance in the game Street Fighter Cross Tekken? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, a picture's worth a thousand words. Just... Bear with me a minute. I'll show you what this guy is. All right. So here's the image search. Hmm. What the? Oh. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that great? It's Mega Man <laughs> from the cover art of Mega Man 1. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Box art Mega Man. <laughs> People oh. hated that when that happened. <laughs> wow. But it's a sense of humor, at least. If you had known it, I was going to ask you, do you, does this one bother you more than the Captain N one? I bet the answer is no, because well, this one's kind of aware. Yeah, like the, the Captain N one is trying its best. And Capcom, I mean, when they released Mega Man 9 and 10, like they made fake bad box art for it. Like they know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Capcom yeah. knows. Um, yeah. This is, this is at a time when they're trying to be serious like they're trying to, you know, get people to buy Mega Man. When did you say this came out with this episode? 90? Yeah. So at this point, people were gearing up for the release of Mega Man 3. And I guess they're trying to get people excited for Mega Man 3 by recapping Mega Man 1. And boy, they do a bad job of the art. I mean, I guess this Mega Man is super strong. Relative to all the other heroes. 
Yeah, normally you got to beat Gutsman to get that power. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that, is he cool? No. No. He looks terrible. Yeah. He sounds terrible. Yeah. I No, I've got to say, for the, for the show overall, as a Deke lover, um, the animation and designs largely appeal to me. <laughs> and it's not the greatest time Saban Shuki Levy music, but it's memorable. It actually, there is a moment... Um, the sequence where Kevin is tricking the big eye into jumping off yep. the building, the yep. background music in that is actually a rearrangement of the Cutman stage music. Mm. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I dare say that the uh, all the sound people spent more time researching than all, any of the writers did. Although um, almost all the sound effects in this are from Super Mario Brothers 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's... It's like a universe thing, I guess. And also a reused asset thing from the uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Well, I, if I remember correctly, this show aired in a one hour block with the adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. Yes, it did. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think it's a shared sound effect, too, when things are killed in Video Land and they, they do that little digitized uh, freak out, you know, and shrink to nothing. Mm. sound right when they're, when they're shot mm. i think it's the same one for when link kills uh monsters in legend of zelda cartoon maybe pretty satisfying both ways the way it looks and sounds mm. um now overall the thing about this show is they gave it to writers that didn't know anything about video games yeah and everybody everybody watching the show then and most creators know now that getting the details right is the most important thing. <laughs> and they don't here. Because uh, you're going to have people like me who are watching it and going, Cuts Man isn't, well, Cut Man, singular, is not green. Yeah. He doesn't have a pair of scissors on his head because he uses his rolling cutter to cut down trees, and you can't do that with scissors. Uh, Simon Belmont, I was never the biggest Castlevania fan, but... He goes into this friggin' like, how do you rec reconcile this lady loving, egotistical coward with the guy yeah. who ventured into a haunted castle and slayed Dracula? <laughs> um, well, I think they're different, too. I didn't I didn't watch the episode with him. But Alucard in this is a skateboard riding cool guy. So by oh, <laughs> It's a different kind of game, I think. You know, I watched, I mentioned Faxanadu earlier, and there's yeah. an episode called The Feud on Faxanadu. And yeah. I watched a, a bit of that because I wanted to see, my understanding is that the title of that game is actually pronounced Fazanadu because right. it's in the Xanadu uh, series of games. Sure. And I wanted to see how they pronounced it. And one, they pronounce it Faxanadu. I'm not going to take that okay. as canonical. But two, when he goes to meet the King of the Elves, mm. the King of the Elves is an Elvis parody. Oh. So, yeah, mm. your your Alucard thing doesn't surprise me. It's... No. Mm. <laughs> um, no, I do like those, those... Yes. I do like the original design work. Um, like... Actually, it worked. It worked the opposite way for me, to where I always thought King Hippo and Punch Out looked weird because he's not blue green. <laughs> no, I I do like those designs. I, I 
really liked Eggplant Wizard as a kid. <laughs> and his wrinkly lips. and <laughs> um, I was always excited now, about the idea that there was a, an Eggplant Wizard, but that game was so hard yeah. that I could never get to the area where the Eggplant Wizard was. Ah, okay. Um, now, I did enjoy at the start of this episode seeing uh, King Hippo from behind, his his chubby lats. Um, <laughs> but okay, I've... I don't know if this is a pet peeve for me. Well, sure it is because it bugs me a little bit. Okay. In cartoons where uh, they don't draw a man's nipples in. Hmm. He's just got a smooth chest because I don't know. It's too obscene to draw the nipples. Man. Here's the thing, though. The King Hippo in this cartoon counterbalances for at least 12 <laughs> of those other cartoons with his enormous blue green nipples. He has nipples like most cartoon hippos have nostrils. Yeah, hippos for days. <laughs> Hippo nipples. <laughs> um, okay, I guess we can tidy up with just a little voice voice acting stuff here. Mm -hmm. Matt Hill is Captain N, yep. and also Ed from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Mm. Princess Lana is Venus Terzo, who is also Ronma, female one that is, and Black Arachnia from Beast Wars. Real Vancouver connection here on this stuff. Well, yeah, I, I've said um, before, Matt Hill was one of my voice acting teachers. Mm. Uh, Kid Icarus is Alessandro... Giuliani, and L from Death Note. Hmm. Eggplant Wizard, Michael Donovan again, who was Genesis and Cook from Botsmaster. And I think he was also one of my teachers, because that name sounds yeah. so familiar that I can't help but think Michael Donovan, I've met him. Uh, King Hippo is Gary Chalk. Uh, and I got to make my apologies here, because I think he's good as King Hippo. And in a previous episode, I totally dumped on him. As He-Man in New Adventures <laughs> of, of, of He-Man. And he's been like Optimus Prime in so many iterations of Transformers that I think he's been Optimus like five times as long as Peter Cullen ever was. <laughs> um, Ian James Corlett is Dr. Wily and Dr. Hiss and Botsmaster, Cheetor in Beast Wars, and funny enough, Mega Man in Mega Man. Hmm. Hmm. That's Dang. weird. That is a weird piece of trivia. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think this was that terrible, but I understand why it's terrible. Yeah. I... I mean... I had a hard yeah. time sitting through this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, did you get a double dose when you had to watch my cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not as bad for specific reasons but just like the whole package was kind of uh yeah, yeah um yeah i watched tiny toon adventures and so this was a show that was kind of it was built in the 80s and eventually aired in the 90s the idea was that they wanted to make this is sort of an era where kid versions of established characters were a thing muppet babies a pup named scooby-doo the flintstone kids I think there was a Tom and Jerry kids at some point. Um, mm. And they were thinking, what about Looney Tunes characters? And they eventually decided to make new characters that referenced the Looney Tunes characters. I think part of this was because executive producer Steven Spielberg wanted it that way. Part of the reason yeah. this show exists is because Warner Brothers wanted to collaborate with Amblin Entertainment. Um and so they got Steven Spielberg on board to executive produce this show about kid analogs to classic Looney Tunes characters. 
who live in Acme Acres and go to school at Acme Luniversity, being taught by the classic cartoon characters, the teaching staff, who have been getting laughs since 1933. Hmm. And this particular episode is called Whale's Tale. And that's whale's possessive. It's a single whale's <laughs> yeah. tale, as in story. Yep. And, all right, here it go. So, it starts, it, well, after the opening credits, there's just a little sequence where Buster Bunny, who is the equivalent of Bugs Bunny, and Babs Bunny, who is the equivalent of no one, She's the pre she's the pre Lola, I guess. I guess it's the other way around. Yeah. In in the official there's a later episode where there's Honey, the girlfriend of Bosco from the really early Warner Brothers cartoons. And she's Right, she's looking for her analog. She's looking for her mentor, yeah. yes. Um yeah. but basically at this point. Babs is nobody, but it starts with a pirate ship and Buster explains that it's high seas adventure day on Tiny Toons, um, just so there's a pratfall where he goes flying into a penguin's mouth. Then we get another title card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we get another title card that shows Elmira. I can't remember if this is a thing that, that Tiny Toons did where it would have like a title card of whoever is going to be the main character in this episode. But it also doesn't matter. At because, the beginning. Because it also doesn't matter yeah. because Elmira is not the main character of this episode. Hmm. What we start with is a sequence of a mother whale and her baby whale frolicking. And then eventually, as they are underwater, a net catches the mother whale and takes her away. There's a ship um, being piloted by a pirate crew of octopuses being led by the captain Gotcha Grabmore, who is a parody of Jaja Gabor. Uh, Jaja Gabor, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of the Gabor sisters, or she was, I think she has died, uh, who... I guess was in some movies and shows and things, but at this point in her life, she was famous for slapping a police officer this one time. And yeah, you know how these things work. A celebrity does one thing. And then for the next five years, that's all they're being parodied for. Well, I think, I think contextually it's because she kept wearing fur and it became oh, really out of fashion to wear fur. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So she became the fall guy for all anti-conservationist sort of things in tiny tunes. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, gotcha Grabmore and her crew have captured the mama whale, leaving the baby whale on its own. That sequence that I just described took five minutes. They have mm. nothing in this episode. Well, it's dramatic. This is like a dramatic episode of Tiny Toons, I guess, where you're supposed to revel in the spectacle. And it sure gives that impression, doesn't it? Like, it's like you're supposed to. This is like this is like the great epic of right. Tiny Toons history. After a commercial break already, uh, we go to Elmira. Now, Elmira is the analog of Elmer Fudd. She's Elmira Duff, you know, and. I actually really like her conceptually. I like the idea that the yep. the opposite or the, the the analog, there's no better word than analog, really. The analog yep. of Elmer Fudd, noted useless hunter, is this little girl who loves animals way too much. 
She's always looking for new pets to love and hug and squeeze. Uh, and she finds the baby whale beached on the beach and takes it home. While she's at home, the TV is displaying a commercial for Gotcha Grabmore's line of cosmetics. And uh, this is a transition point. So it goes to her facility where she has the mama whale. And she is planning to make cosmetics out of this mama whale. Back at Elmira's house, she puts her new whale in the bathtub. The whale is obviously unhappy. She mistakes it for homesickness, and despite not really understanding how whales work, she knows enough to know that it's salt water that the whale's supposed mm. to be in. So she just pours salt on his head, which causes her to notice the blowhole in the top, which, you know, again, she knew enough to know that uh, whales live in salt water, but she doesn't know enough to know that they have a hole in the top of their head and they're supposed to. And so she tries mm. fixing it with a Band-Aid, which obviously doesn't work. Now we go back outside and Babs and Buster Bunny show up here, cracking jokes about how it took them long enough to actually be in this episode. But they hear Frank Welker coming from Elmira's house and they yeah. know that that means there's an animal in danger. Frank Welker, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I, that thought had occurred to me as well. I just didn't say it. Um, no shame. Yeah. So they go to Elmira's house and she wants to show him her new uh, whale baby pet and they are shocked they obviously they know that a whale does not belong on land and buster <laughs> takes way too long to find the w volume of encyclopedia <laughs> yeah. and uh shows elmira the article about whales and this article spends a lot of time talking about how whales are used in the cosmetics industry now i i meant to look this up but i ran out of time I don't know that whales actually are used to make cosmetics. I know that their yep. vomit, the ambergris, is used to make yeah. perfume. But I don't know that whales are actually mm. like, like maybe the oil is or was at some time. I mean, whales aren't used you for know, much it, at all anymore now because it's so illegal. It wouldn't surprise me because they were used for every damn thing back in the day. That is true. Yes. Everything that could be made out of whale was made out of whale. Yeah, true. It was almost like a... Like a parody, right? Yeah. The, of how nasty we were to them back then. Yeah. In, in fact, um, in the late stages of Futurama's life, one of the mm. one of the specials uh, that came after its cancellation, uh, the um, dark matter was the starship fuel in Futurama. And in one and it turned out that dark matter was the excrement of the race that Nibbler, the little alien, is a member of. And mm -hmm. it became a big deal, big enough that in one of the straight-to-video specials, something happened and the effectiveness of dark matter as a fuel was negated. So, hmm. it, you know, I, I guess it was... There was some conservation reason for it, like like planet cores were made of dark metal or something, and it was ruining the galaxy's environment. So they had to, they had to make the dark matter not useful anymore. And... Okay. In later episodes, it was never there was never an episode that explained it, but it's just whenever they were filling up a spaceship with fuel, it was whale oil. That was yeah. just the new starship fuel. It's regressive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Boy, if I want to feel old, I'll remember that uh, gas pumps had unleaded. 
Yeah, you know, like as a specific, yeah, I actually read an article just recently that said that the last manufacturer of unleaded gasoline has stopped making it. Or you mean leaded, 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 I'm sorry. Yes, leaded. But that it was a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I still had when I worked at a gas station, I still had people saying, you know, you know, 20 bucks of regular unleaded. And I'm like, that's all their habit is. Anyway. So Elmira sees that whales are used in making cosmetics, and obviously she thinks that that means the whales make cosmetics in a factory. And the rabbits have to explain to her that, no, they kill the whales. Why do they explain this? At this point, there's no reason for it, because they don't know that this is a threat. All they know is that this baby whale needs to get back to the ocean. But anyway, I guess it gives Elmira an excuse to pass out so that they can kidnap the whale and take the bus to the beach. Um, meanwhile, the factory is occupied by octopuses who are singing a song, which is driving Zsa Zsa or whatever her name is, nuts. <laughs> and it just shows them making cosmetics and again, threatening, oh, this is what's going to happen to this whale eventually. <laughs> We're totally going to kill this whale. They like to intimidate at first. Yeah. Be really cruel. Yeah. So the rabbits get uh, the whale back to the ocean, but the whale is not leaving. Turns out that Babs speaks whale. Okay, whatever. I'll I'll buy it. And Mm. this is when they get the story that the whale's mother was taken uh, to an island. So they decide they are going to go rescue this whale. Because they, as previously mentioned, whales are used in cosmetics. So that must be what this is, right? It can't be anything else. Meanwhile, Elmira has noticed that her whale has gone missing. And she also jumps to the conclusion that this whale is going to be made into cosmetics, I guess, by Babs and Buster. And sure, she she grabs Furball, who is the Sylvester analog, and they head out on a raft. Uh... Don't get used to them. They're not important. Mm. Um, the the bunnies uh, are launched into the facility by the whale's blowhole. Meanwhile, Gotcha is again threatening to murder this whale. She's got a harpoon, <laughs> which she doesn't throw. And the tank has the closing squishing walls. But also <laughs> they... They catch the whale by the tail with a rope and lift it out of the squishing walls so that uh, Gotcha can look at the whale with a harpoon and not stab it. I don't know. Um, The rabbits, once inside, realize that this place is inhabited by octopuses, and so they put a fire hose on their head to disguise themselves as an octopus. It kind of works, actually. Yeah. Uh... Now, these octopuses have been singing this song. Yo, ho, ho, ho. Um, and Buster <laughs> starts doing the classic Looney Tunes scat. Yep. And uh, yep. that makes all the octopuses start singing that song instead and dancing around. And while they're distracted, they find the whale tank. Now, despite seeing that the whale is <laughs> hanging in the air above the tank and not in it, They figure the lever marked release valve is worth a try. And I will admit it is. I wouldn't say that a Hmm. valve would uh, release a a rope, but, you know, whatever. Uh, But they are apprehended or or at least (laughs) caught in the act by Gotcha, who sicks her octopuses on them. And after a brief chase, they are captured. 
And, of course, they are tied to a conveyor belt and it has saw blades on it. They're going to make hair tonic. You understand? Hair tonic. Uh, and, and gotcha. You're just making, you're making me imagine a valve that pinches off a rope so that it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> move through. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so they're going to make hair tonic. And while this is happening, the baby whale starts ramming the door to the facility with uh, its head. Uh, gotcha's attention is drawn to this and she decides oh great another whale we can make baby oil out of this one back at oh um there was a minor detail earlier on when elmira was imagining whales making cosmetics and babs burst her bubble literally by using a hairpin to pop the thought bubble this is important, actually, because now Buster asks Babs if she still has the hairpin, which she does. And he fires off an expert shot with it. He throws it. It ricochets all over the place off a ceiling fan into some acid, which makes some barrels fall. The barrels uh, go flying by. The hairpin ricochets off a tool chest, which causes a wrench to fly out of it and disconnect the saw blade, which then hops over and cuts both of their ropes. And then the hairpin flies right back into Buster's hand. Amazing. Would have been good if it had been animated well, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So the octopuses are all throwing harpoons at the whale, who's doing a great job of avoiding it uh, until Buster shows up and distracts them and ties them up. Babs is now in her ninja outfit and she is fighting off octopuses, too. They finally get to the release valve, although it's a different one. And what the release valve actually does is opens the uh, pipe way, I guess, that leads from outside to inside the whale tank, which allows the baby whale to get in, untie its mother, and the two of them celebrate. Oh, also, while the baby was ramming its head, there was a seagull that saw this and thought about it. And there were seagulls earlier, too, in the frolicking phase. I guess I'm realizing now how much this all ties together. They're allies, yeah, the seagulls. the seagulls like yeah. the baby whale. By the way, in that first shot of the seagulls, there was one mm. seagull that had glasses inexplicably. I know. Yeah. It, it didn't make sense. But anyway, now the seagulls come back, and uh, the octopuses are scared of the seagulls, I guess because seagulls will eat octopuses if given a chance, I assume. <laughs> I once saw a seagull try to eat a starfish, and that was pretty weird. It, <laughs> okay. it could not figure out how to get this big star thing down its throat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the seagulls show up and chase away all the octopuses. Uh, and then there's more sea life that show up. Seals and oh, walruses right. and finish the job of chasing off Oof. all these villains. Um, <laughs> they 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 chase off the villains. This is when Elmira arrives and she I guess I guess her reputation precedes her in the animal world. Because uh, mm. she actually chases off all the heroic animals. But fortunately, the villainous animals have already been chased away. The whales are saved. Uh, Elmira gets a new pet in the form of an octopus voiced by Phil Hartman, of all people. And Gaga mm. uh, Jabor, or whatever her name is, is bounced away on a series of uh, sea lions or seals or I can never tell the difference between those things. Oh, my God. I'm, Holy smokes. <laughs> I watched this thing twice and I heard you talk about it once. <laughs> Holy cow. I hate this thing. <laughs> so let's see. What do we talk about? Um, When I was reading the Wikipedia article for Tiny Toons, it mentioned how the 
animation, they were so proud of how the animation was so much more fluid than anything going on. It used like 25,000 cells per episode as opposed to 10,000 that most episodes use. Yep. I, in relatively recent years, I watched a clip of Tiny Toons because I watched Tiny Toons as a kid and I was like, okay, fine. And then I watched a clip just a few years ago and I was like, man, they will not stop these characters from moving even when they don't have to. It just looks messy because they're just constantly moving. Oh, boy. And that did you mm, do you you know which studio you're watching? Acon. Oh, okay, okay. I yeah, this one's Acom as well. I yeah. I looked it up because I knew that you would uh, either know it or ask me. Uh, yeah, Acon. Well, they animated the Tick. Um, yeah, they trans. Some episodes of Transformers, X Men, Simpsons. The Simpsons, yeah. Uh, they did the yeah. Simpsons movie. Um, there was one. Oh gosh, I I should look it up now. There, I when I looked them up again on Wikipedia. Uh, huh. A-L. It's got to be the talent because they've made some great looking things, but usually their baseline is kind of bad. Let me see if I can find this. Hang on a second. Because uh, there was something that caught my eye. Oh, there we go. Batman, the animated series. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if you look at the Wikipedia article, it has a list of the 13 episodes that they animated. And then at the right. bottom, it has a footnote. Acom was eventually fired due to its inconsistent animation in many episodes. They'd usually talk about the errors, like just flat out errors. I don't tend to judge animation based on the occasional error. These things happen. Right. But how good it is at its best. Yeah. And no, those those Batman episodes. Well, they weren't the worst looking, but yeah, they weren't great either. Yeah. But no, this is now this is what I'm talking about here with this tiny tunes. Like it's just they are constantly moving when it makes no sense for them to move. Just calm down. Hold still for a second. You know, it's funny. OK, for one, uh, because of the whale designs in particular, what this really makes me think of is like mockbuster straight to video things like mm. uh like the European Hunchback of Notre Dame animated oh, movie sure. or like the, the Titanic animated movies. <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. Um, but remarkably, uh, this is not the worst Tiny Toon Studio. Hmm. And yeah, this is a testament to how bad everything else is in this episode. <laughs> the, the worst Tiny Toon Studio is Kennedy Cartoons. Ugh. Oh, I read uh, something those about ones, them too. Yes, they're so off model, and damn, they won't stop kicking. <laughs> it's so it's so weird. They're just their feet are kicking all the time. It's like they've got uh, some kind of uh, some kind of syndrome where they can't stop flopping their feet around. Okay, I'm reading it now. Uh, yeah, and the the first episode is done by them too, yeah. where you know there's an animator who creates them. Yeah. Oh, they're so god awful. But anyway, it says here, this episode, oh, hold on, it says here, yeah. some of the Warner Brothers staff disliked working with Kennedy cartoons due to the animation studio's inconsistent quality and episodes that they animated were often subject to multiple retakes. In other cases, yeah. such as the debut episode, The Looney Beginning, portions of Kennedy cartoons animated episodes were reanimated by another animation studio. Unreliable source, Wikipedia says. Kennedy mm. cartoons was actually dropped after the end of the series first season. Yeah. Hmm. They only did about five, I think, hmm. five cartoons, hmm. but they they stick in your craw, man. Hmm. They that all that kicking, they purse their lips all the time. 
the rabbits have weird looking ears. Mm. Interesting. I kind of want to go see that now. Oh, yeah. But and yet I hate this one more. <laughs> um, in this episode, every line of dialogue is a waste of time. Yeah. The the gags are bad. The quips are bad. The orchestral music is dramatic, but it <laughs> just serves to highlight. Uh, it just serves to act as like a mockery of how crummy the animation is. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Not to mention just how boring. This story is boring, man. Yeah. Um, Even its message, its message of, converse, of conservation is boring in this thing. Yeah. Um, something in the animation that I noticed. This is something that goes on mm. all the time in Tiny Toons, and I'm not sure what to think of it. Seems yeah. like they can never decide whether the girl characters should have a chest or not. <laughs> it's the Matt. It's Matsy's male gaze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's just weird because, like, I guess if I remember correctly, these characters are supposed to be 13. So yeah. I can sort of understand it. But at the same time, it's like just inconsistent. Sometimes Babs has big boobs. Another time she has none. <laughs> Even Elmira, like just the way that her chest, like, I don't know. It's it, it, it's it's one of those things that just it stands out, <laughs> so to speak. Well, in my in my own uh, uh, condemnation, I would always kind of be looking at the painting decisions for Babs's crotch. Oh, is that underwear? Is that ooh, or is it straight up pink? That well, that's clearly not underwear then. Yeah, yeah, that, that I but, yeah, that happens a couple of times in this as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, I should hmm? mention the other thing about this cartoon. Yeah. It's got Charlie Adler doing that voice I hate. So there you go. That's 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 a cherry on top. Yeah. Uh, speaking of voices, yeah. Elmira. So sure. she is a really obnoxious and annoying character with her, like, yeah. you know, talking about widow baby, kitty, witty, but like all this, you know, baby sure. talk animal stuff. But at the same time, as I'm watching it, I had to think to myself, I bet Cree Summer had a lot of fun voicing that character. It depends. Like, there are some shows where she's funnier and she's got more interesting things to say. Oh. And I think one of the ones, when you see her family, you put her in the context of having a normal family. Mm, yes. She's funnier. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think, you know, even like as I'm a viewer watching it and listening to it, I'm like, oh, I can't okay. stand this character. But I'm just picturing yeah. her standing in a studio having to say that stuff. And I just think it sure. would be a lot of fun to act. The result would not be worth okay. anything, but I think it would be a lot of fun to do. <laughs> okay. I guess that's your checkbox for this cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You imagine one they had fun. One voice actor might have had a good time doing it. Right. <laughs> and with that, All right. I guess we can move on yeah. to. Let's yeah. let's cleanse our palate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um. Next week, for you, Matsy, I have this oddity. Mm -hmm. I have an episode of Groovy Ghoulies <laughs> called When I Grow Up. Now, to disambiguate from the band, it's the Groovy Ghoulies with Ghoulies spelt like Geppel's Ghoulies. Oh. No H or U. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, if, you, if you can tell, by the way, next week doesn't have a theme. We're just doing a couple of cartoons. Okay. Um, and for me, I got a cartoon that I really kind of like, and okay. 
I've sort of been wanting to share it with you just because it's it's a neat little thing. It is called 101 Dalmatian Street. Huh. Oh, OK. Yeah, you can probably find it on Disney Plus. It was made for the European um, market, but made in Canada, hmm. I believe. Anyway, um, and I just decided, you know what? Hey, watch the first episode. Why not start at the beginning? They're half sods. Hmm. Okay. So the first uh, episode has two parts called Dog's Best Friend and Boom Night. Boom Night. Boom Night. Okay. Yeah. Neat. We both picked first episodes. Cool. So, yeah, that'll be fun. So look forward to that next week. Until then, let us know what you think of this show. Hmm. And why don't you tweet at us some of your most hated cartoon episodes. I am at Drab Swatch on the Twitter. Yeah, tell everybody to watch this show. Retweet our tweets about it. And I would also be interested in hearing about what are your most hated cartoon episodes are. <laughs> it's kind of fun to dig into. I am at, at AC yeah. Matsy. And now, yo ho ho ho, here's the mega slogan. Whales are aquatic mammals, the largest living creatures on Earth. Whales have been long sought by industry for making perfumes, makeup, and lipstick. Gee, they're clever.